In this episode of Ask Karen Anything, I'll answer a student's question about how to tell the difference between a mental brace and a physical brace, and how to start to solve the mental brace. So here we go, episode 84, Ask Karen Anything, Brace. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. All right, well, I think the best way to start is just to uh, play the question that was asked. Hello, Karen. My name is Amelia and I'm from Poland. My question is kind of a two-in-one question. I would like to know, how do you tell apart a physical brace for a mental brace that caused a physical brace? Uh, and then, how do you work through that kind of mental brace? That's it. I hope you understand everything and lots of love to you and the horses. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful mess, uh, question and message all the way from Poland. Uh, I love being able to hear, you know, from people all over the world. It's just, it's just amazing. I still have to pinch myself. I feel so fortunate to be able to reach out and to get these wonderful messages from people all over the place. So thank you. Uh, all right. It's a great question. It's a, well, all questions are great. But this is a, um, a question that comes up a lot. So by being great, calling it a great question, I mean, I think it's it's something that a lot of people <laughs> have questions about and are thinking about because I know I'm thinking about it a lot because it does happen. All right. So um, in my typical style, I looked up the, the word brace and like, let's see what the definition of brace is. So there's, there's several de uh, definitions of what brace means. One was uh, to prepare oneself for something difficult or unpleasant. Brace for it. <laughs> and another definition was tense, uh, to tense the muscles in one part, in part of one's body in order to stay stiffly in a certain position. All right, so then, uh, so we can think about that already that definition kind of incorporates mental and physical because to prepare oneself for something difficult or unpleasant sort of implies that there's a mental part of it because you're having to think ahead. <laughs> I know what's about to happen and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be unpleasant and I'm preparing myself. Uh, then, you know, how do you prepare yourself? <laughs> then that then comes in the physical component, which in this uh, definition is to tense the muscles in order to stay stiffly in a certain position. Um, so, which actually, if you think about it, there, there's also a mental component there because you're in that definition, it's saying you are preparing yourself to not move. <laughs> you're preparing yourself to stay stiffly there. So why would you want to stay stiffly there? Well, it could either be um, because you think something's going to be difficult or unpleasant. And so you're kind of locking yourself down so that maybe it, you don't actually have to do it. Or 
um, there's some pain. So there's a defensiveness and you're sort of splinting that body part. So a purely physical reason for brace could be pain. And a body's natural reaction to pain is to splint the area and to tense up the muscle so that it doesn't move more. And so therefore you're protecting it. A mental reason why there might be brace physically is, um, yeah, that you just, you, you think it's difficult or unpleasant. So you're not going to want to do it. You're not open to the idea. So just by looking at those definitions, you could say, all right, well, then the solution to brace would be to make something less difficult or less unpleasant. <laughs> so make it easier and make it more pleasant. So in a lot of ways, a brace is the mind and or the body saying no. And Amelia, you're right. It can get complicated really quickly because a mental brace creates a physical brace. And if a horse is physically braced, if there really is a physical reason, like for example, pain, well, there's going to be a mental component too. Because if you're trying to protect yourself and then someone's going to make you do something, you're probably not going to be happy about it. So you're going to make a decision. Um, every now and then you do uh, come across horses or I've come across horses that are actually quite willing, but they're still physically blocked. And those, you know, there the mind is like, I'm trying to do it, <laughs> but my body just can't do it. Uh, and in that case, it's usually be maybe because of an original, original pain. And now there's just the memory of that pain in there, um, you know, or there's uh, enough of a crookedness that there's simply brace in there because if they don't brace, they're going to fall over. <laughs> you know, uh, I had, I went through a period in my life where I actually had pretty severe back pain and long after the pain was gone, happy to report the pain is gone. Um, I felt that there was a brace in my body that was left over and it took a long time and a lot of mental power to overcome that. I would find myself perching or, you know, perching up out of the saddle in certain situations if the horse's back was at all tense, you know, not like I didn't want to do that. I was perfectly willing to sit the canter properly and relaxed, but it's like my body was just automatically protecting it and splinting and bracing in that area. And so in those cases, it takes some very conscious efforts to unwind that behavior. So back to, you know, the definition uh, and, you know, brace being a saying of no for some, in some way, then you can think about, you know, why, why else might they be saying no? So we talked about pain already, but why else might the, might the brain and or body be saying no? So mentally, there could be a lack of clarity. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Imagine if someone was pushing you over, you know, pushing you out into this area, like go, you know, go talk to this group of people. And you don't know what you're supposed to be saying. Like, just picture that moment. You might feel somewhat braced. They might have to actually physically push you out there because you're going, I don't want to do it because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Another way uh, there could be a mental brace is if there's lack of motivation, right? It's like, I just don't feel like doing it it's going to be unpleasant, right? Back to that definition. It's going to be unpleasant. It's going to be hard. I don't want to do it. 
you know, or it could be a skill, you know, a lack of a skill. So there could be brace simply because you, you don't know how to do it otherwise. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, um, worked on something or, um, like when I used to have a personal trainer and I was doing some weight training, you know, sometimes I'd go to do something. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And then they just make a little tweak in my position and then it's easy. So it could be a biomechanical skill that's missing or, you know, you're trying to do something and, and you don't know how to do it. And somebody just says, hey, you know, if you do it this other little way, try it that way. Oh, that's much easier. So could be a physical skill or coordination, a strength or stamina. It could also be fear. So another reason for a mental brace could be fear. So picture yourself being pushed out on a stage, you know, public speaking, even if you do know what you want to say, you know, that could be scary. Uh, when I, I, I did, I did some skydiving once, so I wanted to experience free fall. So when you do that, you go, up in a plane and I've got this guy strapped on my back who knows how to like work the parachute. And, uh, so I remember we're all strapped in door opens of the airplane. And then, you know, we've had our training and you get to the door of the airplane and you're trained to put your, to cross your arms in front of your body and like hold on to yourself. So giving yourself a little hug. And, (laughs) and I was like, why do you do that? And he said, the, that the fear is so strong in people and the reflex to like put your arms up and, and hold yourself in the doorway is so strong. And so the trouble is, you know, when that guy goes, he's going to go and you're going to go with him. And if you stick your arms out and brace, you probably break your arms. So they give you, they give the people something else to do, right? So if there's fear, even though people are paying to do it, (laughs) it's not a surprise. Um, that fear reflex can be really strong and can create brace. Now, if there is fear in your horse, if you think that the brace is in some way due to fear, that's kind of a stopping point. Like you've got to address that first. If you don't address it first, you're going to be addressing it over and over and over again. And there's a really good chance it's only going to get worse. Now, There's degrees of fear though. So, you know, think about with yourself, there's probably some situations that you're really scared. And if somebody just pushed you into it and held you there, you're probably not going to come back stronger from that. So like if somebody decided that they wanted to get me over my fear of spiders and they did it by surprising me, with throwing me into a small room with like a lot of spiders and holding me there, I don't think I'd get used to it. I don't think I'd ever speak to that person again. And I think I'd be even more braced around spiders because of the whole thing. So if there's a certain amount of fear, you have to stop and figure out a way to approach it more, more gradually. (laughs) But if there's just a little bit of fear, then sometimes going in and just staying longer can help, right? So a little bit of fear, you know, you're on a roller coaster, right? You're, you're probably got a little bit of fear, but you're still inching forward on the line. 
your heart was racing, you're looking at the everybody else, you're screaming, but you're still moving forward of your own volition. And, you know, and probably if you did a lot of roller coasters and it all worked out okay, you'd probably get to a point where you're not afraid of them anymore. You're just excited by them. So whatever that is for you, something that like is a little bit scary, but but if but if you stay there longer, the brace melts away, you get used to it and you kind of you know, you're, it's proven to you, like, see, everything's okay. So we can do that with our horses too. If there's a little bit of fear, just enough under threshold, enough that they can kind of stay there long enough, you can prove to them they're okay. It's just enough that they're a little bit, a little bit agitated, but not so much that they're not listening to you. You're going to have to make that decision as far as what that threshold is err on the side of <laughs> caution. Um, but just, I think it's important to know that even though fear has to come first with addressing it, sometimes you can address it by retreating and sometimes you can address it by just staying there a little bit longer, but in a way that you're consciously aware that the purpose of you staying there longer is to help them become better at it. Not just to say, shut up, that's unreasonable, do what I say. So it's the, the intention with which you stay there and help them become okay, really helps. So of those things, let's kind of revisit. So if you feel like the, the brace is due to lack of clarity, then that's, then it means you need to teach something. You need to clarify something. You need to gain understanding. So understanding is the goal in that moment. And some ways that you, can realize that maybe the brace is a mental brace due to lack of clarity or lack of understanding. It might show up um, if it's something that you always have to use strong aids for. In other words, you find yourself having to control it all the time. You have to keep that outside rein on really strongly to keep them from um, bulging out that shoulder or drifting in a certain direction or whatever it might be. Like you always seem to have to kind of carry your horse through that again. You always have to tap them with the stick again or keep your leg on again. So what that can mean is he, you know, he doesn't understand how to offer it or you haven't given the chance to show you that he understands. So you want to back up and go, oh, what's that piece? Why do I have to keep revisiting that? Another sign that it could be a mental misunderstanding and then a brace is uh, the horse starts offering a lot of things. So sometimes when horses get tight and bracy, they don't do nothing. They actually throw everything at you. They're like, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? You know, kind of the real people pleaser kind of horses. And they just start, you know, kind of overachieving. So if you know your horse, like you want to learn to recognize what do they do when they're confused? And then if that starts happening, you can go, oh, wait a minute, this is getting tight. This is getting bracy. He's throwing everything at me. It's because he doesn't really understand what the one thing is that you want. So when, um, when confused, some horses can get hyper-focused on you. Ah, what do you want? What do you want? They keep staring at you. Um, and some might zone out, right? So they they just go blank. They go internal or they just go, none of this makes sense. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just not going to do anything. They kind of check out. And some horses want to escape. 
So some horses, when they're confused, they do um, what I call checking the exits. <laughs> and you'll literally see your horse like, where's the door? I want to go to the door. Um, so, you know, watch that again. I don't know how your horse acts when he gets confused. Anybody listening? Uh, but your horse has a way of showing you when he's confused. So see if you can identify that. So you can get to that source of the brace if and when it shows up. If it's a lack of skill, it could be a, a, a lack in strength, stamina, coordination, balance, something like that. And one way that you can tell is this will be um, pervasive. Like they'll, you know, it'll just, if they ne never gain the coordination, then it's always going to be uncoordinated, right? If they're too crooked, it's, they're always going to be too crooked until it's solved. If it's, it's a strength thing and you don't practice it well and you don't build that those precise muscles, they're going to still be not strong enough the next day. So it's kind of like it's always the problem. Um, and so, again, this is where you want to decide, you know, be able to tell, is it that they, you know, can't do it or is that they don't understand what to do or that they're trying and they can't? This is really important to see. Are they trying and they can't? Are they trying, but they just always drift left? It's a balance problem. Is it they're trying, but they're simply too weak? And no matter how much they try, they're not going to get stronger during that session. <laughs> and one thing you want to watch um, if you're suspecting it could be, you know, in the physical department, is that adrenaline can actually mask some physical issues. It doesn't always cover up uh, a lack of coordination. <laughs> Horses on adrenaline don't always get more coordinated, um, but it, it, it can mask something. So if your horse is, you know, slightly off or something like that, or they just don't seem to have the strength and then they go on adrenaline and they're acting out of fear, and fight or flight kicks in, yeah, sometimes the really ploppy horse can suddenly be prancing. And you think, oh, see, they could do it all along. I knew they could. Or you have trouble doing leg yields, and then they get all pumped up and scared, and they kind of fly sideways across the arena. You know, be careful that you don't use a moment like that to prove to yourself, haha, see, they were just being lazy. Um, they, they still might not have the strength, stamina, coordination, or balance. Um, they were just acting on fight or flight. And sometimes after those moments, they might feel some regret, <laughs> you know, like if they're not really strong and then they pump themselves all up, well, tomorrow they might be sore. Uh, so take that into consideration. Now, the lack of motivation can be, um, can be the trickier one. I think motive motivation and how to motivate horses is a real art form uh, so if you feel like something is there's a brace because of lack of motivation they're just like why should i right that's a brace think of you know an employee that's not doing the job and it's like why should i like you know that's that's a brace they're not like sure i'll do it how much do you want me to do um, so, but the bottom line of motivation is your horse, for some reason, doesn't feel like it's worth it for him to put in the effort. They don't feel well paid. And we'll put well paid in air quotes there because we're not paying the money for sure. But they're, they don't feel like at the end of the day, 
eh, it's easier just to brace <laughs> and take those consequences than to actually do the thing. So if it's a motivation issue, you want to make sure that they do understand it and they can do it, but they really just don't want to. And motivation issues can sometimes be really tied up in human egos and human egos can have a habit of defaulting to assuming it's a motivation issue. Ah, they're just lazy. Get a job, you know, if you just worked harder, you know. So we often see, we humans often think we see a lack of motivation as a personal character flaw in humans and horses when actually it could be very well be um, fear, lack of understanding, or lack of a physical skill. So when we think about motivation, uh, there's a couple ways to think about it. You can cause horses to move away from something. So you can try to use a pressure that motivates them to move away from it, <laughs> from the pressure. Um, or you can give them something to move towards. You know, if you go over here, you get this thing. So a, a really obvious example of, you know, motivation is like, I'm asking you to go, all right, you don't feel like going, you're kind of braced. Well, if I tap you on the butt or tap the ground behind you, that might motivate you to go. So that would be an example of moving away from something. You could also move towards. So you could like shake a bucket of grain. Hey, oops, all of a sudden I feel like going over there. And then there's ways to kind of use them together, use a little bit of pressure to kind of show which direction you want them to go. And then when they get there, they get a reward. Um, so I like to use both. I like to think of the pressure primarily. I try to use pressure to show them what I want them to do. So whether I'm riding and I'm shaping them or um, I'm asking for a yield on the ground and I'm kind of like waving my stick over here or my energy over here and that shows them that I want to go that other direction, you know, compared to if I did that on the other side. So I want to use pressure to kind of give them a clue as far as where they're going. And yes, sometimes if they're not going there fast enough or something, I might encourage them and put a little more pressure and say, hey, get, you know, get out of here because there's this thing going to hit the ground behind you. And if we use pressure in that way so that the intention is that they most quickly understand what that signal was that I gave them originally. <laughs> so I'm not trying to get them to move from a tap on the butt. The tap on the butt is just to help them understand which direction I want them to go um, when I did that funny little cue that they didn't understand. So we, we can use pressure to help gain clarity. And then I also want to see, you know, how happy can I make them on the other side of that so that they go, Oh, that was a little weird, but oh, look over there. I had no idea that I was going to get cookies if I did that. Like, that's cool. No problem. Don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> you know, next time I give the cue, they're like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll go over there and get that because it was, I got to rest when I got over there, or I got a cookie when I got over there, or that wasn't so bad when I got over there. So sometimes uh, a brace from a lack of motivation 
can be that they they don't think they can do it because they never have or they're not sure they have the skill and they need just a little push so maybe you've experienced this you know if you've ever had training or i did you know when i had a personal trainer and sometimes you know i'd be doing pull-ups or push-ups or something you know not that fun and they'd be like, come on, give me five. I'm like, oh, I can't. And I'd stop after four. Like, I can't do five. And be like, come on, you got it. You can do it. Come on. And, you know, use some sort of motivation. Maybe it's peer pressure because there's other people in my group watching me. And for some reason, I was pushed. And then you know what? I did it. And then you know what? I felt really proud that I did it. And so I was glad that I was pushed. So when you're trying to motivate your horse, you want to be thinking again, how can you motivate them? And then how can you make them really glad that they did it? Right? How can you use pressure? How can you use reward? Something to move away from, something to move towards. But if you're deciding to do that little push to go through it, okay, I see you saying no, well, I'm going to push you to do it. And we're going to get to the other side of this. Just be sure. <laughs> Make sure it's a conscious decision because if there's a brace and you decide to push through it and you aren't able to get through it, oh, that's a really yucky situation to be in because now it's just like the clashing of the wills <laughs> and that can get ugly pretty quick. So if you decide to use the strategy of pushing through a brace because you want to show them what they can do, Make sure that you, you think it's fair, reasonable, and possible, and that you're prepared to pay them on the other side. Here's a dressage example of that, of something in training. So you're working on your collected canter, approaching canter pirouettes. And your horse can collect, and you're, let's say you're spiraling in on the circle. And at some point you get to like, hey, this circle's getting pretty small. And you can feel the horse going, oh, that's that circle is really small. I don't think I can do the circle that small, but you've been preparing and you think it's a good day to try it. And you go, come on, turn. And they're like, I can't. And maybe they come against the outside rain for a moment. You go, come on, come on, you got it. And you kind of put some aids on and you do half of that circle at the smallest size you've ever done. It's like a schooling pirouette. And then as soon as they give it a try, you get out of there and you get off their back and you let them go down into a lower working canter or maybe even a little stretch and you give them lots of praise and then you stop and you give them a lot of cookies. So that would be an example of a horse who's, um, doesn't think they have the skill. They're not motivated. I'm not going to go. A lot of horses aren't going to go. Could you make that circle smaller, please? <laughs> you know? So you're going, all right, here we go. You get to an edge. The horse goes, I don't think I can. And you say, yes, I think you can. I'm going to put some aids on. I'm going to bring you through. I know you understand this. You just don't think you can do it. And now they've figured out that they can do it. And I'll bet you anything tomorrow, as long as you didn't get your horse too tired, tomorrow will be better. Right? So that's an example of how to maybe push through a brace to kind of pop through a bubble. But again, you've got, that's a, that's a conscious, ed, uh, educated choice. And if you're not educated enough to know how to make the choice, then it's a really good guess. <laughs> but again, you write it down in your journal. Today, I'm going to push it. <laughs> what happened when I pushed it? Were you able to do it? But in that same example, if I decided to push and get on in there and the horse started fighting more 
and resisting more. And now I'm just, you know, manhandling the horse and it's been now 10 minutes and I haven't made the circle any smaller, you know, that's 10 minutes too long, right? So you have to try it consciously. If, if you can get through it, great. You pop through to the other side, but if you can't, you have to decide really quickly, like, never mind. thought it was a good day to do this, but it's not. So I'm going to back right off. And then you figure out, um, make sure hopefully you didn't do any damage. And then you maybe spend the next day just proving to the horse that's not so bad. You won't do that again. You'll approach and retreat, do some spiraling in and out and just get close to it where there might the, the, the horse might think there might be a brace and, oh, I think they're going to make that circle too small. And you go, no, I'm not. So I'm going to prove to you I'm not. It's going to be easy. I promise you can do this. And then that mental brace starts to go away. So that's, you know, that's a, how mental braces can show up. So let's say you, you try that smaller canter. It's really hard. You think you can push through it. You can't. Things just get worse. You wrestle for a little while. And then you decide the next day, well, I'm going to try that again. This time I'll make them do it. And you try it again. And the horse is still telling you, I really can't do it. And, you know, I'm not strong enough, not coordinated enough. And so you wrestle a little more. And then you come back the next day and your ego can't let go of it. So you're going to put on bigger spurs and you're going to try it again. Well, guess what? By day three or four, you have created a mental brace. And now... It's, I mean, not you guys, of course, because you listen to horse training and harmony podcasts, you would never do that. But if somebody did that, then that's how you can create a mental brace. And then that mental brace might be there even after you diligently do your homework and build the horse's understanding and build their skill set. So now they can do it, but they're so afraid that it might hurt or it might be unpleasant or what was the definition? It might be difficult or unpleasant, right? So brace is to prepare oneself for something difficult or unpleasant. So if you prove it to the horse too many times that it's going to be difficult or unpleasant, now they're going to have a mental brace. So <laughs> one way that I like to decrease the chances for mental or physical brace is uh, to use uh, silly horse tricks. So physically, I should, <laughs> mental and physical. So for mental, I like to use silly horse tricks. And for physical, I have a lot of exercises for that in dressage naturally. So moving, massage, basic alignment exercise, the whole let loose um, finding the sweet spot of that let loose posture in as much ease as possible exercises where the whole point is that when my aids come on, they're to bring the horse to a place where the horse says, oh, that feels better. So that whole protocol for moving massage, my touch is causing relaxation, which will make you feel better. Or basic alignment exercise. Hey, I'm asking you to do this yield so that you can tell me where you feel better, Mr. Horse. And then when you show me that place, you're, you have total freedom to stretch and swing and be free. So all of those exercises, I mean, they help with the mental brace too, because I'm teaching the horse that they don't need to, to brace, that when they 
feel me coming, they can pretty much expect it's not going to be unpleasant or difficult. Um, but it's really to work out those physical braces, to take the rocks out of the river and the circuit of energy, to find that alignment, to help their, their flesh just melt under my touch when I'm playing with moving massage. So, so much is built into the Dressage Naturally program to help um, build the skills for letting go of their bodies. Just let go of your body. Find the alignment where you're balanced and you can let go of your body. Melt under my hand. Let go of your body. Then on top of that, for the mental part, a lot of motivational, um, motivational ideas and exercises. So incorporating pressure and reward and some psychology, right? So there's exercises for low energy horses where we play the number game and we play with it in a way that the horse starts to choose to commit to that level of activity by using a bit of psychology and offering them choices, right? So that's all built into that. And then um, one really important part, and this is going to be really helpful for you to do to help to diagnose with your own horse, is what I call my silly horse tricks, for lack of a better term. So all my horses can you know, have a trick where they put their nose, they, they curl their upper lip up, or they stick their tongue out, or they lick my face, or they put their foot in a tub, or they stand behind a pole, or they target something with their nose. So those all, I put all of those sorts of things in the silly horse trick department. And what they have in common is they're very distinct. The horse knows 100% when he got it right, when he successfully did it, they are of almost zero physical effort. <laughs> it doesn't take much effort to stand behind the pole or put your foot in the bucket or curl your nose up or stick your tongue out. So the, the really valuable part of that is because you get to identify what your horse looks like when he is totally confident in understanding what to do and totally able to do it physically and totally motivated to do it. So some of those silly horse tricks, horses love to do. And how valuable is that to see, okay, the foot's either in the bucket or it's not in the bucket, you know, rubber feed tubs. And I can see if my horse is like wandering around and kicking and flipping the tub over versus walking up, measuring his steps and placing his foot in there. Like, oh, that's what he looks like when he understands. And that's what he looks like when he doesn't. He's either touching the thing with his nose or he's not. So these sorts of things um, help me to, again, see when they understand and see when they're happy to offer to do it. It helps me identify the precise thing that they're not doing and then determine why they're not doing it in a solution. So if I recognize what my horse looks like when he's happy to offer to do something, then during a more complicated thing or during riding, for sure, you know, it, I can start to feel that same vibe. Like, is this my horse trying to do stuff? Or is this my, the same thing that my horse looks like when he like kicks the bucket out of the way and walks in the other direction? <laughs> Right? So you want to feel the energy of the horse and kind of 
see what they do. You can also, with those silly horse tricks, really understand their learning process. You know, what do they do when they're confused? Some horses will walk away. They don't even want to look at it. And some horses will just try a million other things. Put my foot in the bucket. I don't know, but I'll pick it up. I'll throw it. I'll go over there. I'll kick it. I'll, you know, I'll go sideways over it. And, you know, they'll do a whole bunch of things. So you, it, you really need to know your horse. But those silly horse tricks are so identifiable and clear and unmistakable. And now I want to tell a little story about my horse, Solana, who's a great example of working through mental and physical brace. And if you've been listening to my podcast or in my video classroom, chances are you've heard me talk about Solana. So Solana is just really interesting because she has, um, she had past tense, a lot of mental and physical brace. So in her body, it would show up as um, just, you could feel it and like very, thick and hard to the touch when I started having um, body work done. So um, some of you have met Karen Partish on this podcast and in the video classroom does a craniosacral and myofascial. And I mean, she would put her hands on her and you could just feel Solana almost pushing her away. And I remember the first session and Karen kept saying, she's almost there. She's almost there, but she keeps you know, blocking it. She's like ready to release and just, whoop, she'd take it out. She'd hold the brace again and even get to a point where she, you know, Karen was like, gosh, she, you know, she should be yawning by now. And Solana's like, nope, not going to see me yawn (laughs) and just holding it there. And it took a few sessions before Solana started to go, okay, all right, I will relax my body under, under you. And I don't think that was so much conscious but it was, it's the Solana dynamic. So there was that like really early on. Happy to report that is very different now, but also there was some mental brace. So Solana was very, um, still is, but very opinionated about expressing. Well, I think all horses have opinions, but Solana was very expressive about them and would throw little tantrums if she didn't get to go exactly where she wanted to. Uh, but when I, when I first started riding her out of the round pen, she literally would trot in one direction, but not the other. So she would trot now at this point, I forget. Uh, let's see. She would trot, um, West, but not East, no matter where I was on the property. If I turned to the west, she would happily trot along. If I turned around and started heading east, she's like, nope, not so much. Going to stop. Grind to a stop. Put your leg on and she'd just stop. To this day, if somebody else rides her, there's no guarantee she'll pick up a canner or maybe even a trot. So she just has a lot of that oppositional reflex in her. Now, she and I have worked it out pretty well. So this sort of dynamic doesn't have to stop in your tracks, but there were some really specific things that I had to do. One is the body work. So if you have a horse who just has a natural brace in their cells, (laughs) for whatever reason, it's there now. Maybe they're, you know, from an original issue and now that's gone, or maybe the issue's still there, but you want to start unwinding it. I cannot recommend craniosacral and myofascial work enough Now there's lots of modalities, just start trying them because everybody's different and everybody is different. 
find a good practitioner of something and get it started to unwind. Do the moving massage that, that I show in the video classroom. Just get your hands on your horse and start trying to open up the idea for relaxation. So definitely body work with Solana was a huge, huge piece of it. It's not the only piece of it though, because without the mental part, without the motivation, she would just be blocking herself. She'd be preparing her body for that difficult and unpleasant thing, tensing her muscles. So every time I go to turn to the east, she would mm, prepare to stay in that position. <laughs> not going to do it. <laughs> All right. So what was a huge turning point for me and Solana was when I would think about how I was describing her under saddle, bracing, oppositional, stubborn. Those were words I would actually use to describe how, how this beautiful young horse, I mean, this is like, there was no past trauma. I started her. She just kind of had that tendency. But then I was doing these silly horse tricks and I found I would use a totally different set of adjectives exuberant, overachiever, proud, motivated. And I, at one, you know, so I would always balance out and I do some of the funny silly horse tricks one day to balance out the riding stuff. And then at one point it struck me. I was like, wait a minute, how could I have two completely different sets of adjectives? So who, who really is the horse? Is she exuberant and proud and enthusiastic and overachieving? Or is she stubborn and braced and balky? <laughs> Which one is Solana? So I realized like both were a result of a situation that was happening. But I realized it wasn't fair for me to describe her as a bracy horse anymore. It wasn't fair of me to describe her as stubborn, right? Because she actually wasn't if I did, if I asked her for different things. So I took the, what I learned about, you know, how she was during these silly horse tricks. And I thought, well, what am I doing? What's, what is it about those? So they're distinct. They have endpoints. They're, the horse knows she's, she gets all proud and puffed up and like knickers and stuff. Cause she knows when she got it right. They're physically easy. So I, and, and she is highly rewarded for those. When you're on the ground, it's just easier to kind of keep giving them cookies. When you're riding, I agree, it's, it's hard. It's harder to give as many cookies <laughs> riding. You have to, you know, it's only so many you can carry with you and got to stop and the horse has to bend over, bend to the side. You know, so there's some logistics. But I decided, I like, all right, how can I make her riding feel like a silly horse trick? Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. 
We've never offered this before. So it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. So when I started thinking like that, when I started thinking about how can I make the riding part feel like a silly horse trick, things started to really change. Now, in the meantime, I'm doing all the biomechanic stuff. She's starting to let loose. She's starting to find a place where she's flowing inside of her body. Started rewarding that stuff better. But I started rewarding, you know, uh, a leg yield to a tree. Stop. Yay. (laughs) Give her cookies. Ready? Get set. Leg yield to the tree. Cookies. So trying to think of how can I take what was creating all this enthusiasm and pride and openness to suggestion, eagerness for suggestion. I took the techniques I was using over there, brought them into the riding. And that's what started to turn it around. So it was really a layered effect. It was the body work. It was all the finding the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics and really proving her to her that my aides were really trying to get her to a place that felt good. I promise. Big rewards and motivation, making sure that any little piece I took the time to clarify. I did a lot of stuff on the ground with her body, engaging exercises, haunches and shoulder and school halts on the ground, like really making sure she understood it. How do I know she understood it? Because I'm standing on the ground, not touching her, and I just point in a certain way, and she'd do a school halt or haunches in. Let her prove to me that she understood it. Let the game be, how can I, how can I help my horse understand this so well that it doesn't take any aids? So if there's no aids to brace against, there's no aids to brace against. So I did a lot of stuff in the stall with her. There's a video in the classroom, things you can do in, you know, gymnastic exercise you can do in a stall. That's with Solana. And I'll show you exactly what I did. So there's lots and lots of pieces of the puzzle. But if you keep thinking about, um, you know, about, well, let's go back. (laughs) Thinking about, is your horse preparing themselves to do something difficult or unpleasant? So make, find a way to make it easier and more pleasant. If they're tensing their muscles in order to stiffly stay in a certain position, ask yourself, I wonder why. Rule out pain, rule out fear. And it's about openness. And they all work together, the mental and the physical. So, so Amelia, there is not one single easy answer, but I hope... By listening to this whole thing, you can start to to kind of chip away. I don't like, it's not really chip away, but start to melt. Melt a, melt a little bit of a mental brace here. Melt a little bit of a physical brace there. As the physical brace melts, the mental part will, the mental brace will melt a little bit and that'll help the physical and hopefully it'll start unwinding. And as it starts to unwind, you might start to get a clue about 
what is the the core source of that brace. But there sometimes isn't just one way. Like I said, Solana just seemed to be born that way, but she's awesome. And sometimes those horses that have that strong opinion to stay where they are and be like, raw, this is my idea. Sometimes they can end up being really fantastic. So Solana's ability to be not easily changeable, right? She's not actually that responsive or open to change. Now that she's educated a little more, it comes in handy. Like she gets in her collected pirouette canner and it's really hard to change it. Like she'll just stay there. It's really easy to ride now. I just, she clicks into it and like, that's it. It's almost hard to mess it up. So there is hope. I love that you're asking this question. I hope this helps. Um, I hope this helps somebody. Please, you know, visit me in the Dressage Naturally Land Facebook group and let me know. Yeah, so good luck out there. I wish you horses who are open to everything. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.